Welcome to the Kingdom Life Podcast from All Saints Community Church. This is where we talk about all things related to life with God in His Kingdom. I'm Connie Willems, and in this episode, I'm talking with Joanna Wilcox, one of our family members here at ASCC. Many of you will know her from seeing her at church or volunteering with our youth. I wanted to talk with her today because I keep getting glimpses of how God is working in her and what He's doing. God's moved her out of a place of disillusionment and has her on a journey of listening to Him for wisdom and relationship. It's the same kind of journey He might take us on. Hi, Connie. Hi, welcome. Thank you. It's good to have you here. So people may know you. I know you work with the youth here at All Saints and you've volunteered with them for a long time. But just to give us a little glimpse into like the life of Joanna Wilcox. <laughs> um, tell us what we would see you doing if we saw you on an ordinary weekday. Um, well, I think that you would see me driving kids in my car. Um, lots of chauffeuring back and forth to activities. Sons? I have two sons. Um, yeah. Reese is 15 and Parker is 12. Um, so my driving is about to change with <laughs> Reese is about to get his license. Um, you would see me doing a lot of household jobs um, at the store, uh, sometimes volunteering. I just ended a um, stint of being able to work for almost two years at a refugee resource center. And so that was a Wednesday thing. Um, and it just ended last week. So this is my first Wednesday, mm. not there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, kind of odds and ends, sometimes writing and, you know pulling my hair out when I'm trying to. <laughs> I understand that. And then on Wednesday nights, you would be yes, working with youth. youth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Which has been such a sweet privilege. Yeah. Getting to see all that. So I wanted to talk to you because I feel like I've been catching glimpses of what God is doing in you. And I felt like there would be encouragement in that um, just to get to hear more. And this is a great way to hear more. So I thought it'd be good to hear, like, what is life with God like for you now? Kind of in the middle of that ordinary day that you just mm -hmm. described. And then I'd love to be able to go back and hear a little bit of how it got there. So how would you be experiencing God these days? Well, I think a big part for me is um, getting quiet. Um, there's a quote that I just actually read yesterday by... John Mark Comer that says that the the modern world is at war with the interior life. Um, and that even like happens to me at home in the house. You know, I'll be listening to an audible book or walking around doing chores. Um, and I think the discipline of sitting still and mm -hmm. being quiet before the Lord and um, him showing me that that is the most important part of my day um, has been really life-changing for me. So um, when I can sit quiet and fully quiet my soul, that is um, the time of richness and the time of meeting for us. Okay, I just can't help but asking, how do you fully quiet your soul? What does that look like? Um, well, it is like turning my phone over, <laughs> number one. 
Um, and just like sitting in the chair, letting my mind kind of let go of mm. tasks, of worry, of achievement, um, and just kind of breathing for a little bit and just asking God to um, kind of awaken my soul mm. and uh, just to wait. That's a thing that I'm like learning from the youth is, uh, I guess, like the word Terry. They like wait around extra long for God to show up. Um, and I've been watching them do that and trying to do that to just tarry and not think that I'm wasting my time. Yeah. But that that is where um, life comes from. What happens when you sit around and wait on God? He starts talking. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like I can hear him. It's it's um, like a, a radio frequency has hmm. tuned. Like kind of almost like deep calls to deep. When I can sit, it's like he wakes up my soul and then he meets hmm. my soul. And then somehow once... I can sit in that quiet space, then I feel like that's when we can have a conversation or I can, you know, read a passage and then ask like, what are you trying to say to me um, in John 10? What do you want to tell me about that? And just kind of waiting and seeing if he says anything and then just kind of continuing on my time like that. And sometimes I, you know, We'll journal and journal and journal a lot of things that I feel like he was speaking to me. And then sometimes I don't like hear much and just I feel like he's been telling me, you know, just show back up. Yeah. <laughs> Half of it is showing up. Yeah. Being there and being quiet enough. So I'm guessing that life with God didn't start out that way for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. So if I went back with you to like when you were a kid, mm -hmm. what were you thinking of God then and experiencing with God right. then? Well, and it's interesting. I don't ever remember not loving God, hmm. um, which is really sweet and a testament to my mom and dad. They just made loving God easy. That was just the rhythm of our family is we're believers. We love God. And there's a video of me, um, I think I was like three years old, maybe, and I said, really, really country little voice, I'm Joanna Parker, and I'm three years old, and I love Jesus. <laughs> so that was kind of like, even the way I was introducing myself um, as three. But even though I like really loved God, and I really didn't want to go to hell, those were like the two main pillars of, I love God, I don't want to go to hell. But then I also didn't want to go to heaven either, because I thought mm. it was going to be really boring. And that was probably until about seventh grade. I thought life with God was so boring. Um, I thought heaven was going to be so boring that we were going to sit in this big circle forever and sing boring songs. <laughs> and that's, you know, that was kind of my mindset. And I never thought to ask, is that what we're going to do? But that is what I imagined. You know, when I look back at when I was a kid and think, did I have people around me, like in the, my broader circle that were showing me other ways of being with God? 
I didn't have the examples, and it could have been there, and I just didn't have the eyes right. to see it. But I don't think I saw what life with God could look like. Is that kind of where you were? Yes, very much so. And I did, I had some little interesting Holy Spirit sprinkles from my grandmother, who um, she lived in Fort Worth, and we were very close mm-hmm. with them. But uh, she became a believer at 40. And so her, um, life with God was very different from anybody else's life with God that I knew. Um, she listened to a lot of sermons from Chuck Smith, um, from Calvary Chapel. Is that what yeah. it was? And she would talk about hearing God's voice. And she was the only person that I knew that would talk about God telling her things. Um, she what did she, what did you think when she said that? Well, I thought it was really exciting. Huh. And then I thought like, like Omaha's a wild woman. <laughs> that was the other thing that I just thought, you know, like she was so adventurous. She was um, a, a woman's Air Force service pilot in World War II. So she just lived this life of adventure. And I kind of thought, well, this is Omaha's flavor of God is adventure because that's who Oma is. Didn't realize that was who God was. Yeah. <laughs> but her... Um, a real interesting piece of her. She said the first time that she ever heard God's voice, she was laying in bed with my grandpa and she heard the phrase, watch out for pigs. And she turned and she said, Ned, what did you just say? And he was like, I didn't say anything. Like she heard it audibly. She heard it audibly. Wow. And uh, so she like went back to sleep and she heard it again. And she was like, what are you saying? And she didn't really know how to process any of that. She was a new believer. They went to the Episcopal church. It was, that just wasn't really a thing. And uh, the next day she had, she had a potbelly pig that grew into a full size pig that lived in her backyard in Fort Worth. Um, Which is just another part, (laughs) another part of Oma. And she went out to go feed her pig that morning. And as he ran past to get the food, he gashed her head open. And then she heard again, I told you, watch out for pigs. And she thought, oh, my gosh, this is God speaking to me. (laughs) And (laughs) that was part of her process of hearing God speak to her. And she learned just kind of between her and God of how to listen to his voice. And she would talk to us about things like that. That was wild. (laughs) Isn't that wild? So that was my little sprinkles of, you know, hearing God's voice. God has such a sense of humor. He really does. (laughs) That is hilarious. And that is kind of like a famous family story of ours now that really goes all through the family of, you know, Oma hearing this. Yeah. So kind of as you were growing up then as a teenager or early adult, you just kind of were in that place of, I love God, but I'm not really experiencing God. Right, right. And as I, um, through middle school and high school, I got really plugged in at a Christian camp, Pine Cove in Tyler. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that I had seen people worship Jesus and have fun. And it really was like a game changer for me. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it just made me want to be all in. And uh, watching that, watching those young people, watching um, the fruit of their life and how they live their life and those counselors was just really life-changing and helped me through high school, helped me through college, um, just build a good 
that was, I think, kind of my foundation time of Mm. loving God, scripture memory, going to worship nights. But it, it was kind of healing the idea that God was boring yeah, during that time period. But then I also wasn't knowing God as intimately as I think he was offering for me hmm. um, because I was just having fun. Yeah, there was still more. <laughs> I'm always intrigued when I hear people's stories and I hear what God was doing with them as a child or a teenager or high school student. And I... I know I shouldn't be surprised, but I always think of, no, this is the real deal. Mm. This is happening young, and it's the real thing, and it lasts for life. And so I'm hearing that again, like you were caught Mm -hmm. by something about God, and it was the real deal with you as a teen. And it was. It was was very real and very um, my heartbeat. I feel Mm. like God has always been my heartbeat. But my levels, I think, of knowing him, just even as you mature um, as an as an adult versus a teenager, it changes. Your understanding changes. Mm-hmm. And kind of after college, I was working in a ministry and had a lot of hard situations, a lot of just disappointment. I think mm-hmm. maybe that's more the word. Um disappointment with what I saw people doing and how I saw people treating each other kind of behind the closed doors was just very, very disillusioning to me. And so I went through a season in that time as a young adult thinking I may be better just like worshiping God on my own. Wow. Um, About how old were you then? I was 22. Wow. So you'd been in this place where you loved God and you discovered worship and that God wasn't boring. And then you hit a place where you're actually ministering. Yes. And then disillusionment yes. breaks in. What do you think was the illusion that was getting broken? I think um, I have always struggled with disappointment. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe feeling like we should all be better being um, disappointed in my own sin, but very disappointed in other people's sin, (laughs) which the, you know, I thought God is still working out in me of, you know, still moving towards people when they disappoint you. Um, And I was just experiencing a lot of disappointment and rightly so, justly so in people's behavior in this ministry. But it made me think that I couldn't trust believers Mm. to be doing what they said. Um, Like if you're on a stage and you were telling me your experience with God, can I trust you that that's true or um, that you were really acting like that behind closed doors? I think just that balance of, Man is man and man is sinful and man, you know, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But that whole line of having discernment and not like, like hugging skepticism. I think once I turned towards skepticism, I couldn't shake it. Because probably if you're working in ministry, you're all in. Right. Like, Mm -hmm. and if you're 20, what'd you say? 22, 22, 23. 
that's an all-in age. Yes, <laughs> it was. And such a dreamy age, you know, thinking yeah. like you can do anything for the kingdom and, you know, expecting such big things. And then to see um, some rot yeah. was so alarming. And it sounds like it was genuine rot. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it was. It yeah. was. Um, yeah. And that was really just really hard. And I, uh, I really probably the next two or three years was really kind of praying through, trying to pray through being able to trust, um, leaders in a church community, Mm. um, asking God to really, to help me be able to shake off disappointment And he really met me in that so much. We were, Vince and I were newlyweds at Bridgeway. Mm. And uh, I remember just like specifically one time asking God sitting in, in church in Bridgeway during worship, like, I know you're real, but I really want to know you're real. Mm. And it was like a true cry of my heart that it just was so exposed before God. And that was the first time I had ever like fully had a picture in my mind, uh, my mind's eye that felt like a vision from Mm. the Lord. And it was just this incredible Holy Spirit experience that he walked me through um, that I still think about to this day. And it was And surprisingly, as we're talking about my thought as a child of heaven being boring, it was of heaven and what it felt like and what it looked like and his nearness. And it still kind of makes me teary thinking about it because it was this reorientation of my natural bent of like boredom, skepticism that where I felt like God knows me. He knows what my struggles are. And he blessed me with this, you know, vision or thought of all these people dancing in mountains. Mm. And I remember even having a feeling where I really felt free mm. and that I had never felt that before. And I thought, it feels like Christmas morning in elementary school, but also more than that. Huh. And I thought, why have I been so stressed out? <laughs> and it was like I felt the freedom from um, almost like the weight of humanity. And I had even that feeling in my body, which was just an incredible experience to even for a brief moment have had that sensation of freedom. Of feeling what it was like to have the weight lifted. Yes, yes. And that was... 15, 20 years ago? Yeah, probably about 2004, 2005. So it's still alive in you, though. Yes, yeah. When you look back at that experience, because that was just a gift. It was. From God. Yeah, it was like healing balm of a Mm. wound. And the wound had been opening up for two or three years by then. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and really a wound of skepticism and mistrust is what I think it really uh, boiled down to. And it's still something that I battle still to this day. God and I have a lot of conversations yeah. <laughs> about my skepticism. Yeah, it's almost like the, the hurt happened 
And then out of that, the skepticism and the mistrust kind right. of right. took hold. Yes. Yeah. But the hurt is real. Right. Yeah. And the hurt, the hurt was real and it was, has been such a sweet journey and a journey that, that I hope, you know, my friends even now that are disillusioned with the church, I just pray that they can lean into God and let him heal that disillusionment, you know, because we are going to be disappointed by leaders around us. We're all human and we all have our problems. And I think that God really wants to, he wants us in a body. He wants us in a church and in a community worshiping together, that that is like so absolutely vital. Um, And I think he wants to heal that. When you were in that place, what kept you showing up? Hmm. I th- I think he did. Hmm. I think I think that God just kept calling me hmm. of I have more, I have more, I have better things. And I know that I really don't experience fullness of joy when I'm not plugged in to mm. God. And that is a very real and uh, present thing all the time still in my life. I can get very um, off kilter very quickly. So it's almost like that experience in that worship setting at Bridgeway launched. Was it a different season or was it just a healing or... I I think it was even a different season because I was starting to hear more about the prophetic, more about praying for healing, Mm. more about the gifts of the spirit, and then also those personal experiences that I was having too. And then thinking back on Oma and thinking, wait, like (laughs) maybe God is like, not only is he fun, but maybe there is also adventure and healing and goodness, like all the whole package. And it almost is like kind of on a side note, but I remember when Vince and I got married thinking like, I could never love him more now than I do in this moment. Like my love was so high and I was like, people say you love your spouse more. There's no way that's possible. And, but now I know after 19 years of marriage, like I love him deeper and it's like, um, so I do love him more, but it has like, it has rounded kind of, if that makes sense. And I think that's how, um, how my relationship with the Lord is too. Like as, you know, a teen, I don't know that I could have loved God higher than I was, but now as a 43 year old woman, I'm seeing all of these other like depths of him that actually do make me love him more, but it's more um, well-rounded. My love has rounded. What has these seasons between that experience in worship and now been like for you? What's helped round that? I think just really, I think God just meeting with me and Mm I, I don't know why he does that. It still baffles me that he wants, uh, and it makes me feel emotional that he wants to have a relationship with me. 
And it's the, the deeper we go and the more relationship we have, the deeper it goes and the more relationship that we have. Um, and it just, it continues to just feel like such a privilege that I'm like, you know, I'm in the house doing laundry. I'm, you know, a housewife in Edmond, Oklahoma, and you want to talk to me mm. and, you know, tell me your plans and purposes <laughs> for me. And it just, I don't know. It's just wonderful. Yeah. So you've said that you kind of still have that battle with skepticism and doubt. What does that look like now in the middle of this? Oh, man. <laughs> That's a small it, question. It, it looks like um, when, when I first started actually really doing some listening prayer, like sitting down and saying, God, what do you have to say to me today? Or God, I'm feeling anxious and stressed. What do you want to tell me? Um, I started journaling that and I would put a little asterisk by what I felt like God was saying. So I would write my portion and then I'd write an asterisk by what I felt like God was saying. And every time I would write that asterisk, I would hear this voice say, you are crazy. Mm. You are talking to yourself. And then I would have to battle that with, it's only in my journal. No one sees it. <laughs> <laughs> and trying to kind of just, just lean in. Like I was feeling that skepticism of God's not talking to you. Why would he talk to you about you feeling anxious? And then after I would finish my time, and there would be these like amazing nuggets of wisdom that I didn't know then I could look back and say, hey, skepticism, mm. like this, God said this because I didn't know that. And I almost stopped because I felt skeptical or embarrassed or strange. And uh, then when I look back, it was just proof again that God was speaking because it was wisdom and it was right and it was true. And so just, you know, continuing and continuing on, you know, on my own of writing in my journal, you know, you're, I think, taking those small steps at the beginning. If somebody had ever said, here, why don't you come to the front and, you know, say <laughs> some of the things that you feel like God's speaking to you, I would have run for the hills. <laughs> yeah. But um, I don't know. I think the more we practice hearing from God and the more wisdom that we receive when we listen, the more confident we are that he is speaking to us. And that that kind of helps me fight the skepticism. You mentioned that you had been introduced to the prophetic years ago. How right. is this different than prophetic stuff? Right. And I think that's very interesting because I think listening prayer to me feels more vulnerable than the prophetic. Interesting. Um, and maybe that is not true across the board. Um, I know a lot of times it is easier for me to feel other people's emotions or even pray for other people or listen for a word for other people than it is to ask for a prayer for myself or to deal with my own emotions or to listen to God for myself. That just kind of feels more vulnerable and I can get kind of hung up in that. Um, so there's something about, I can be confident about God for you, yes. 
but it, when it comes to, oh, wait, this is just about God and me, then it feels a little bit scarier. Right, right. And I think maybe that is because I know me. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, I think maybe that is a piece of it, too. Like, I know myself. I know my rotten insides. I know the things that I'm struggling with. And, but I don't know, you know, what this girl in the second row is struggling with. So it just, and, and I think that is also just a vulnerability piece that is sometimes hard for mm-hmm. me. I'm not sure if across the board, I mean, there may be people that listening prayer feels so much easier to them than the prophetic. I don't know if that's just a bent or a vulnerability struggle of mine, but that's why it has yeah. felt separate, even though it's really, it's the same thing. You're, you're listening for God, the prophetic and listening prayer is the same thing. And you're just in the prophetic, you're listening for someone else. Right. And as you're doing listening prayer, you're listening. Right. Just about Joanna. Right. Yeah. There is something vulnerable about, I'm just bringing myself and does God care enough about the stuff I care about that he even wants to talk about this? Right. When it's not ministry to someone else. Did you face that too? Yes, I did. Very much so. Of, you know, (laughs) my journal, you know, there will be spaces that, you know, I'm praying for the whole, the whole world. I'm praying for the women (laughs) of Iran. I'm praying for all of these things, which is all important. But I think sometimes I don't realize that God can like handle all those things at the same time that (laughs) he can handle, you know, this horrible conflict and civil war somewhere at the same time that he can handle me feeling anxious about, you know, a word I'm going to share on Sunday that he, both of those things, he can handle them simultaneously. And so when I exclude him from my problems, thinking maybe they're not big enough, I think I think that is a way that Satan mutes us as women, Mm. thinking that we are either too much or not enough, or that our problems are too big to share with God, or they're too small to share with God. I know that's a thing that, that I run through in my mind a lot, but, and that was a big piece of it is what is on my heart today, whether big or small And God wants to know he's in relationship with me. And he actually already knows. This is my opportunity to listen to his wisdom as I share it. Now, I've had people wonder, okay, yeah, but God does already know. So why bother going through all of it? Because he already knows. Well, and that's where he's like, he's giving us a, we are getting wisdom from him by sitting and listening. Like, yes, he already knows, but you're processing together, like Mm -hmm. how you would with a best friend that, you know, your best friend, they already know all of these things, but you're processing together, you're building trust, you're building your relationship, you are hearing his wisdom, which his wisdom is worth more than anything that we have, um, worth more time, worth more than our accomplishments, worth more than our resume. His wisdom is like how we proceed. And he's ready to offer it to us if we can just listen and share. 
I have this notes list on my phone of his greatest hits that <laughs> <laughs> that I feel like he has shared with me, which has been like the best nuggets of wisdom of things I want to remember. So like literally there's a note on your phone yes, and it's it says titled. Jesus's greatest hits. <laughs> And I will like go back and look at things that have really just felt like zingers in my heart of um, Joanna. This is what I want you to do. Joanna, this is what is true. And I can get so twisted so fast. And I will just look back at those and it like sets my mind straight, sets my heart straight. Every time I feel like it's concise and to the point and kind and thoughtful and true. Um, and that's usually how I know it's from God. If it is, if it's those things. Um, it's almost like you're seeing thumbprints and just yes. going, okay, these are hallmarks. Right. You say thoughtful, kind, concise. Mm-hmm. And true. True. How does that, all of that intersect with what you're doing with God in scripture? Um, I, a lot of times what I will hear is scripture. And that also for me is a um, weapon against skepticism. Mm. Because I, I feel like that is what I love about the Bible so much is that God is talking to you and you have it written. You're not wondering if you heard that right. Like you did hear that right. That is yeah. what he thinks. And it is just such a sweet gift when I'm sitting trying to have some listening prayer time and I hear scripture because then you think like it's just kind of a double check mark of was that concise, kind, true, good, and that scripture. You have two check marks of that is what God thinks about you. And oftentimes it is encouragement. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's so many verses that I love, like in the Psalms, how like David is having such a hard time all the time. It is. <laughs> he is just he having is. so many emotions <laughs> and having such a hard time. And I almost feel like what's happening is he's pouring his heart out to God and then he's listening. I mean, this is what I imagine. He's listening and God's saying like, but David, you can put your hope in me. I'm your rock and I'm your salvation and I'm your fullness of joy. And so David's listening and then he's writing all of the stuff down. And that's the end of the Psalm is what the truth that God has washed over him. And I kind of feel like that. Mm. I feel like I come in with all these problems and all these feelings and I journal that and write it. And then God shares with me his wisdom of what's true and right, and good and kind. And then I write that. And that is, it looks kind of like a psalm. Hmm. And it just, it makes me curious. We will find out someday, like, was God the one that was telling you the second half of <laughs> the things that you were writing? <laughs> because that doesn't sound like you anymore. It's, it's really intriguing because I've often looked at the psalms and thought, David is continually naming who God is. He's a rock. He's a fortress. He's a deliverer. He's a shade in the desert. He's um, all of this stuff. And I'm like, how did David know God so well that he could describe God Hmm. in all these ways? But it is interesting to think, what if God was saying, David, I'm your shelter Mm -hmm. in the desert. I'm your shade. 
Yeah, that's yeah, fun. It is. So you're writing this, but I can imagine somebody saying, well, I'm not a writer and I hate to journal, so <laughs> I can't do this. But you can. <laughs> <laughs> but you can. That's what I think is so sweet with life with God. Like he wants to meet you wherever you mm. can. If you are a painter, he wants to paint with you. If you are a person that like needs to be moving, you can't sit still. He wants to go on a walk with you and talk while you walk or while you move or while you lift weights. Um, you know, if you're a person that like loves to read and you just need to read other words, he's going to meet you in the word. Like he, he knows you. You just have to know you like how, <laughs> how are you going to meet with God that suits yourself where you are available to listen and then accept that it's going to look different right from the person next to you. Right. And I think that's a thing that's hard is that we want all of life with God to look the same way. <laughs> and it would be easier if we could just like follow a formula and, that's how we heard from God. And, but there's no adventure in a formula. And I think that's part of the adventure of seeking him is that, you know, I even think about healing, praying for healing. Mm. It's, it is like different. Almost every time we see Jesus heal somebody, it's different. And so you're like, well, what's the formula for us to pray for healing? And there isn't one. Yeah. What's the adventure he's inviting you on these days? Oh man, it is, it's so fun. I think um, I'm asking for kingdom eyes. I think that we can get so bogged down with the state of the world and just, I know I can with um, just social justice issues or looking around the world at poverty and sadness and homelessness and addiction and all of those heavy things catch our eye really fast. And, and it is that delicate balance of, as believers, we are called to step into those things also. But I think that he has been really showing me that he is a third way, that it's not mm -hmm. ignoring the pain of the world and just like living in Christian bliss. It's not that. And it's also not fully feeling the grief of everything. It's having like relationship with him and trusting that he is going to do what he's going to do and just, just releasing ourselves to him. Is there an example of what he's done like that with you? There have been, there was, well, one specific time in a morning uh, prayer group at the Westbrook's mm -hmm. house where Claire was praying for me to just like release like over and over for me to be able to release the things that I am holding so tight. And really that is just like, she was praying for me to be able to abide in the Lord, mm. like despite the state of the world, despite anything, just abiding in Christ and being able to release and receive. And I think that that is a word that he has been speaking to me a lot is about being in the posture to receive, to release and to receive. And that there is like such adventure in that, in, um, you know, praying for people to come to know God, but not 
letting myself be um, overwhelmed with it's my responsibility for this person to know God. I think that's a thing that I can take on is feeling the weight of someone else's salvation. Like I can release that and receive wisdom from the Holy Spirit on how to proceed or um, even in working in the Refugee Resource Center, I can feel completely overwhelmed by need and think, you know, like, God, what are we going to do? How are we going to meet these needs? There's like needs everywhere. And just releasing to him the authority that he is God and that he sees more than I see. And just to receive from his spirit, what am I supposed to do now in this moment? I will like receive from you what I'm supposed to do now. And somehow that is changing everything for me. Um, it's like giving me a little taste of uh, freedom and a taste of not, of, of his yoke is easy. Because mm-hmm. I always am like, it doesn't feel like that. <laughs> and I think I just will wear, um, accidentally wear a heavy yoke instead of yeah. his light yoke. So I'm not sure if that makes sense, but it does. Yeah. You're releasing the thing that's too big for you and you're receiving his wisdom and sometimes assignment right. for you in the moment. Right. When he and I, this is reminding me of one of the greatest hits that's in my phone (laughs) is I was just praying and saying like, God, I really want to do big things for you. I have like such a heart to do big things for your kingdom. And a lot of times I think about like these big things that I want to do while I'm doing laundry because (laughs) it's like, I'm like in the laundry room. I want to do these big things. Like what is happening? And I just felt him say, Joanna define big. And that was such a just arrow to my soul of to him, big is so different than what big is to me. Like sitting and listening prayer to him is big, mm-hmm. like, like that is big. And then in my mind, I can think like, oh, I just wasted 30 minutes. But that was actually mm-hmm. big for the kingdom. And, you know, I think of like, my writing project that Mm -hmm. I have worked on for like six or seven years and nothing has happened out of it, which it seems like a loss to me. But then I think of a friend of mine who's not a believer that got to read it that like I, it was all these moments flash, like define big, like Mm -hmm. to me that's big. And so I think he just is continually taking me on an adventure of reorienting me <laughs> where my my perspective and my thoughts just need continual adjusting to see how the kingdom sees. And what a contrast that is to growing up thinking it's too boring. Right. God is boring. Heaven is boring. This place with him is boring. Right. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, there's so much more we could do, but (laughs) we don't have, like, (laughs) eternal time. Um, I wonder if you could close us just by praying for somebody, maybe even somebody who's in that disillusioned place Mm. 
that you were in, it feels like that was a turning point season, right. but it's so hard to see it when you're in it. Right. Yeah, I would love to pray for that. Yeah. That's great. Lord, we thank you um, that you see us and that you know us and that you know our hurts and our needs and that you are the truth, God. Jesus, we lift up our brothers and sisters that may feel disillusioned um, by the church as a whole, by Christians as a whole. God, I just pray even right now and today that you will speak tenderly to them. If you need to speak loudly to them, that you will to get their attention and that you will provide opportunity for healing, that you will... um, provide friends to walk alongside and usher back them back into the body, God. And I do, I just, I pray that you can meet us, and we know that you can meet us in our hurt, and that you understand hurt and pain because you experienced that also when you came here to this earth of being misunderstood. God, we just pray for a revival for the disillusioned that your revival fire will come down and pull them back into the body of believers. Thank you, God, for knowing our needs. Thank you, God, for loving us and leading us on your great adventure towards fullness of joy. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joanna. Thanks, Connie. That's all for today's episode of Kingdom Life. Thanks for listening. I'm Connie Willems, and thank you to Joanna Wilcox for joining me today. If you'd like to learn more about All Saints Community Church, visit us at allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC.